Welcome to the Build Smart, Lead Strong podcast on the Michigan Business Network. My name is Jennifer DeMud, Executive Director of the Manufacturing Growth Alliance, also known as MGA. All across the state, regardless of sector, manufacturers need access to a workforce pool. Today, we will be talking about hidden talent that manufacturers can access. The hidden talent being returning citizens those who have a criminal record and are now seeking employment opportunities. Joining us for this conversation is Ryan Powell, manager of the Offender Employment and Opportunities Unit at the Michigan Department of Corrections. Also joining us today is Angie Sprank, community coordinator of the Offender Success Program in Region 4, which is the West Michigan area. Welcome, both of you. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having us. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about MDOC Offender Employment and Opportunities Unit. Yes, so the MDOC Offender Employment and Opportunities Unit, it is a unit that was developed about five years ago when the department really kind of took a step towards really focusing on employment for the returning citizen population. We've always had programs at some of our correctional facilities and we've always Um, Since early 2000s, we've had um, some offender success service type of stuff, but about five years ago, the department really kind of made an effort to beef up what we do in the way of employment for this population. And um, we started building partnerships with employers across the state, and then it really kind of spiraled from there. And what the unit does now is we're really trying to develop one unified workforce development model across the department and that really ties in with Michigan Works, our offender success administrative agencies, our probation population with our community corrections advisory boards, and really just trying to pull everything together so that we have that one unified model when it comes to building partnerships with employers and developing programs such as skill trades training, such as welding or truck driving, Um, and really just getting tools and resources out there for this population to help make them successful. Very, very um, fascinating. I I won't dive into any questions right now, but I wonder how many other states go to that length to ensure, you know, our our returning citizens have employment opportunities available to them. We'll save that for another conversation. Angie, I'd like to get you in here and um, ask you about the Offender Success Program. What is it? Is it statewide? Is it only specific areas of the state? Sure, thanks. It is statewide. Every region throughout the state of Michigan has an Offender Success Program. It is a Department of Corrections program, but it is facilitated uh, by various agencies in the community, such as for my region, it's Michigan Works West Central. Um, you know, there's Connexus, other Michigan Works, Catholic Charities, different people hold the contract to facilitate the program, but we work hand in hand with the Department of Corrections. So both programs have a need to build relationships with employers across the state, and certainly that means manufacturers. Ryan, what is the goal? Um, what is the goal when connecting with employers? How many employers do you connect with annually? Yeah, so to kind of touch the first part of your question there, the goal with connecting with employers is really just identifying employers across the state that are willing to give individuals second chances as they leave our correctional facilities or if they're on probation. You know, anybody that really has that felony record, we want to connect and, and build a partnership with those employers to connect some of these returning citizens to those available job opportunities. 
we try to look at, and we've started doing more in the way of data, trying to gather information from our population to see what type of industries we should get into, what are their interests, and we really don't limit who we work with or the possibilities for working with those employers. And what we are, are really our target is setting up a process with each of our employment partners, finding out what type of opportunities they have available, what positions are available, what the hiring criteria is, and really just try to eliminate some of the stigmas that are out there about hiring the returning citizen population really giving them the information that they need to, as a, as a company, as a business, to make an educated decision on hiring our population. We can talk about, you know, some of the, the hiring incentives that are out there or the different, you know, felony records that some of these individuals might have. And, you know, really just, you know, trying to connect them to the information that they need to make an educated um, decision on hiring this population. We do a lot in the way of, of lists. So we have a lot of skilled trades programs inside of our correctional facilities, and we maintain lists of job ready candidates that have went through an employment readiness program that have went through a career technical education program and maybe have a welding certificate or, um, you know, other certificates that they've achieved while they were in prison. And we really just try to connect those individuals to our employment partners so that they're getting somebody that's job ready that has the skills needed to start employment and try to eliminate that stigma that returning citizens don't have skills and that they aren't ready for work because the department as a whole, we're really doing a lot to try to get this population ready for work and connected back to employers across the state. So about how many employers, Ryan, do you work with annually? And a question I'll toss out there too is, is there need for more? So the second part of your question, obviously there's always a need for more. We never turn down a, a chance to partner with an employer. Um, I don't really track annually how many that we're working with, but I will say that on a, a statewide level, we have over 700 employers that we're currently working with. Right. And the way that we set up these partnerships is they notify myself and my team and our administrative agencies whenever they have vacant positions available. So they can go to their point of contact and say, hey, I've got two, three, four, five positions available right now. Do you have anybody that's available? We'll connect with our local parole and probation office. We'll work with our administrative agencies to try to find those job ready candidates, our vocational village program, and get them connected to the folks that are available in their specific area. On a monthly basis, this is something that I do track. My team works with about 50 to 60 employers on a monthly basis across the state. So that's screening potential candidates, that's building new partnerships, that's connecting employers to the Fidelity Bonding Program or the Work Opportunity Tax Credit Programs. But we typically work with about 50 to 60 employers on a monthly basis. That would keep anyone busy. <laughs> yep. So Angie, um, I believe our, our audience would love to hear a little bit more about the Offender Success Program. Um, and how the program can help stabilize um, returning citizens, just provide resources for them. Could you share a little bit more about the offender success programs, what, what's available? Sure. Uh, quick, I think it would be important to let the audience know the offender success program started as an initiative about 12 years ago. Ryan can cor correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but when it started, our state's recidivism rate was, you know, in the high 40%, even close to 50. And now we're down to an all-time low. I believe it's 26.8. 
And again, Ryan might be able to correct me, but that kind of just shows the changes that have taken place within the facilities, but also out in the community, like with the offender success program, that these programs are working. So they're very important in someone's path to success. So for my region alone, I mean, I don't want to speak for the whole state. We all have very similar programs, offer similar services, but I'm when I'm speaking I'm speaking specifically to region four and the 13 counties within that region. So we do offer residential stability for those who might come out homeless. Um, obviously this is a key piece to success to have stable housing. So we offer what we call transitional housing, kind of a stop before they move on to either getting their own place, living with family, uh, whatever that next step is. And then along with those, we also offer social supports. Our goal is to fill the gaps of what isn't offered in the community. So we are constantly partnering with the community. I could spend hours just naming the partnerships that we have with agencies throughout all of the counties. But typically we will um, provide such things as a clothing voucher. And this is going to be to an agency in the community, such as a Goodwill or a Love Inc. And quite often those places will partner with us to maybe add to what we're offering to the voucher. So um, we're utilizing leverage resources in the community as well. So we will do bus passes for transportation um, to get them to their appointments. A lot of times this is used when they start employment. We want to make sure that they can get back and forth to work. We partner with Wheels to Work, which is well known in the county area, but it's also now branching out into other counties. And they provide um, exactly what it's called, Wheels to Work, to and from work. Provide gas cards if needed. We will provide um, household vouchers. So if somebody's getting into their own place, maybe give them a voucher to get some items to get on their feet. We do vital documents, um, but quite often they're going to come out of the facility with their vital documents, which is great because obviously we all know those are needed for employment. But sometimes there might have been a reason. So we need to pursue their birth certificate, help them get their social security card. Some are now even coming out with a state ID or a driver's license, and we'll continue to see those numbers grow. Um, but until then, we will then fill that gap. We'll help them get their state ID. If they can get their driver's license, we're going to help them do their driving test on the road and in the Secretary of State. And we offer behavioral health services, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, trauma counseling, Again, different tools to give them to put in their toolbox for success. And then last but not least, we provide employment services. So we will provide different things in the realm of job readiness, but we are going to take a look at what was provided inside the facility because we don't need to duplicate those services inside the facility, do a great job of different readiness things for employment. So we don't want to duplicate them. We just want to build off of them. So we want to make sure they're ready to go to that interview. Um, and then we do provide job placement services. So a lot of the employers that Ryan said they partner with, those are employers we're partnering with as well to help our individuals gain employment. And then we also provide job retention. 
And this is something that the Department of Corrections requires we do for 12 months or until discharge from parole. But we really look at that as a positive. To us, we're giving the employer another support system. You know, they can reach out to that employment specialist. They know they can reach out to the parole agent. We want to make sure we're all working as a team. So that pretty much covers, I think I answered your question, Jen. You answered it, absolutely. And it uh, is just very warming to know that um, so many services, you're really a lifeline for individuals that are reentering uh, society. Before I jump over to another question um, to Ryan, I'd, I'd like to ask you, how important is it for employers to give returning citizens an opportunity, just an opportunity to be employed? Sure. I, I think it's kind of twofold. I think one, obviously it's um, beneficial to the person who can gain employment, but also the employer is, they're tapping into a talent pool that for a long time, and you even started out the podcast with that, Jen, kind of a talent pool that was overlooked. Um, but I think within that talent pool, you're going to get individuals who are quite often, what I will hear from employers is they will say, they really seem more appreciative. And I, I see that. I think they really appreciate someone giving them a chance to prove themselves. And they're going to get a hard worker, a dedicated worker. If they are coming from the vocational village, you know, which Ryan will talk about later, they're going to have a set of skills. Um, we do offer some training out here in the field as well. We have a truck driving program. We're starting a welding program. So, and we make sure we're picking the best candidate, but we also do that for each employer. If they let us know who they want, then we're going to go and seek out those individuals. We want to give them what they're looking for, you know, a long-term employee. So there is a lot of incentives for employers to tap into this talent pool. Well, that was a nice transition, Angie. So thank you for that. Next question, uh, Ryan, is, is for you. And I want to touch on uh, Vocational Village a little bit. So many of our manufacturers uh, that are viewing or listening to our podcast haven't heard about Vocational Village. Could you share a little bit? What is it? Where is it? How, how can manufacturers find out more about it and the individuals, obviously, that are graduating from the program? So I know that was a lot in that question. But in general, could you share with us Vocational Village? Yes, um, absolutely. Plural, plural, Vocational Villages. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. The Vocational Village is something that came online about five years ago, right, as we were kind of beefing up some of our efforts and really, you know, kind of lining up what we wanted to do in the skilled trades arena. And so the Vocational Village is skilled trades training for returning citizens while they're incarcerated. And we currently have two vocational villages that are up and operational. Uh, one of those is at our Richard Hanlon facility in Ionia. The second vocational village is at our Parnell Correctional Facility in Jackson. And we're in the implementation stage or the construction stage of our third vocational village at the women's facility at Women's Huron Valley in Ypsilanti. And that will... Um, you know, obviously cover our entire women's population. At the male facilities, we offer, you know, a wide range of skill trades training that ranges from, um, just to kind of name a few, there's a welding program, a CNC and FANUC robotics program, CDL truck driving, um, building trades carpentry, plumbing and electrical. There's a computer coding class that we just opened up. That was kind of our last one at the male facility that we just started up. 
Um, and then at the women's facility, just a couple different trades that we're going to be offering is like a cosmetology program, uh, which will be nice. And then we're also going to have CDL truck driving for the women's population as well. And there's going to be, I think, four other trades at the women's facility um, to kind of touch on a little bit of the employment rates. So as Angie had mentioned earlier, the return to prison rate for the overall population is right around 26%. Um, our vocational village group, there has been 1,248 graduates that have left the program over the five years that it started. There are there have been 519 graduates that have successfully discharged parole supervision. Mm. There is 400 or 540 graduates that are currently on active parole. Of the 1,248 graduates that have left the program, we maintain a 61% employment rate for those individuals. And they have a return to prison rate of 6.25% or 78 graduates. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the numbers, it just shows that giving these individuals a skill trade, giving them some training before they leave really does make a difference. And that's why, you know, some of the programs that Angie mentioned too, with the, the truck driving and the welding that we're getting up and running, we're really trying to, you know, to add some community-based programs out there as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also kind of in addition to the vocational village, we also, so those are the core trades that I mentioned. We also do a secondary trade, which is like a high-low forklift certificate. And in addition to everybody's core trade, they'll also get a high-low high -low forklift certificate. And then they leave our, our facilities with state and national recognized certifications in the trade that they've been trained. So they're coming out with actual licenses. If they're in auto mechanics, uh, they'll leave, they can leave as a master mechanic with eight licenses. Um, if they're coming out of the building trades program, they get a certification through their trade, but they also, we throw OSHA 30 at them. So they get their OSHA 30 cards. Um, so just a lot of good stuff, a lot of different credentials that they're achieving. Um, and it's really helping build success. We, we even open our doors up to these employers to come through for tours of our vocational villages. Um, so if, right now we can't during COVID, but um, once COVID kind of dies down a little bit, we're looking forward to the time when we can open up our doors again and bring employers in and do tours. Um, we were also doing in-person interviews with employers. So we would bring some of the returning citizens that are in the program up. They would interview with employers right at the correctional facility as they're getting ready to parole back to the community. We've set up Skype interviews We've also done phone interviews. And if the employers are willing to hire this population, these vocational villagers before they even leave or give a job offer, we'll do what we can to set up an interview ahead of time. Um, we also do what's called a candidate blast. And so if there's any employers out there, if there's anybody that wants to know more about who's leaving our facility, when they're leaving, what trade they had, and also want a copy of like their resume to consider them for employment, we can add anybody to our candidate blast and those go out bi-weekly. So I, I have uh, Angie on, on the call with us, Ryan, as you know, and the reason why, you know, we brought both of you on this podcast together is because the two programs obviously work so closely together. Angie, will you share a little bit um, about how the offender success program works with MDOC to support returning citizens? Sure. It really is, like I had stated early, we work hand in hand. For the 
person to be successful, it takes both of us. And as I stated, OSP, Offender Success Program, is a Department of Corrections program. I mean, it was started there and there it goes both ways. So for example, on my part, uh, pre-COVID, I spend a lot of times in the prisons. I'm usually in the prisons on a monthly basis. Um, there's a few that I go to on a regular basis, but I will visit the other ones if I'm asked to come in and do a, you know, Ryan and I have done job fairs together, or sometimes they'll just ask me to come in and speak about a certain topic. I am in the field offices, our parole offices on a daily basis. For this program to work, we have to work closely with the field agents, the field supervisors, but they even cross over into OSP. There's a handful of agents on parole and even probation who help us prepare for our job fairs. We do resource fairs. We're constantly working together. So it's really, I don't personally view us as two separate programs. I think we're all one big program mm -hmm. um, and we have to constantly work together. Ryan and I have worked together for years coming up with different programs. He talked about, we both have the truck driving program. We're now launching a welding program. So we're always looking for ways of how do we partner to make this program, you know, even more successful than it already is. So if I were an employer manufacturer out there, you know, listening, um, I might, in the back of my mind, an employer might be thinking, well, there's some risk involved from their perspective, and they may be thinking about risk. Ryan, will you share a little bit about any incentives or programs that mitigate risk for employers uh, when they go to hire returning citizens? Yeah, there's actually a couple that come to mind. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is, our, is the Fidelity Bonding Program. And that's basically a free, no cost to the employer or the job seeker bond that covers or provides 100% insurance coverage with no deductible, and it protects the employer against losses resulting from employee dishonesty. And there's a targeted population that can be out there, but returning citizens is one of those populations that can be that can utilize the Fidelity Bonding Program. And basically, the program offers a second chance for high-risk job seekers, um, and it in increases their likelihood of gaining employment. And it puts the it can put the employers minds at ease with giving this population a second chance um, by limiting the risk that they have to take, um, you know, by covering them against losses for employee dishonesty if they do give them a second chance. So that's the Fidelity Bonding Program. And it, it, it can be covered when we fill out the bonding paperwork. So we've really worked closely with our talent investment agency to develop a process for this program. So if myself or Angie or any of us were working with you or, you know, a, an employer um, and they wanted to bond somebody that they were getting ready to hire, it can be for, it's free for the first six months of their employment. And um, it can be in increments of $5,000 up to 25,000. So every employer may have different levels or, or costs for equipment that these people or these individuals might be using. So we can do the bonds for as small as a $5,000 bond or up to $25,000 for the first six months of their employment. And we can complete the paperwork on behalf of the returning citizen and the employer. So there's very little work that goes into the employer really utilizing this besides just letting me know that they want to use the Fidelity Bonding Program. 
and hiring an individual from us. One of the other programs that comes to mind is the work opportunity tax credit. And that's basically a tax credit for um, certain groups of folks, returning citizens is one as well. And it's a, for returning citizens, it's a $2,400 tax break um, that covers, um, they have to work so much within the first year of employment. Um, the paperwork has to be completed within um, the first 28 or within 28 days of the employer hiring this individual. It's $2,400 um, tax break. Um, and basically it's just a, a tax incentive for, for hiring this population. I think it's something like if they work 140 hours um, in their first year of employment, you get 25% of the credit. If they work over 400 or 400 hours, they'll get 40% of the credit. And I'm not for sure the exact um, amount of hours they have to work to receive the full credit. But anyways, they can get some level of the tax credit based on how many hours that employee works for them once they start. And then lastly is just kind of what Angie talked about. The offender success program and the wraparound and supportive services that are out there is a huge incentive for employers um, and I'll kind of turn it over to Angie now to talk, you know, a little bit more, say anything else that she might want to say about the, you know, the offender success services that are out there. Sure. I think it'd be good to add for the things, you know, I touched on that are under OSP, but also there are, I talked about the community partnerships. So, you know, we partner with Michigan Works West Central, who's obviously the admin agency for the program, but they're also in sense a partner because we will refer individuals there to qualify for various training funds. Um, when we look at a participant, I believe the majority of us are really looking beyond parole. What are we doing to set this person up to be successful long-term, far beyond their term of parole? So I think as most of us know, quite often that is doing something on a daily basis that we enjoy or we're passionate about. So we do like to get them connected to different trainings. So again, that's Michigan Works West Central and West Michigan Works in my region. I'm constantly working with staff at both agencies for partnerships. Uh, we partner with GRCC. We're going to be wor working with Thompson MTech for our welding program and some other training facilities within our region. Um, so it's really, what can we do for that long-term success? You know, if this person is successful, there's less victims in society, there's less crime, there's less cost. Um, so we're really just looking at that long-term goal of how do we make this person successful? And that takes partnerships. So we have Always we're developing new ones and then constantly working with our ones that are already developed in the community. Excellent. Thank you both for sharing uh, that information. I, I'm about done with my questions. There's just one last question I'll toss out there for both of you. Is there anything that you'd like to share that we didn't cover today? You know, Jen, there's really not anything else that I have. I just want to kind of reiterate that we're always willing to partner or have conversations with anybody, even if you're just interested in hearing a little bit more, maybe your company's not ready to take that step and actually hire somebody, but we can at least start those conversations. We're more than happy to educate you or anybody else within your organization that um, wants to know more about hiring the returning citizen population, the programs that the Department of Corrections offers, our offender success programs, 
you know, really we're here as a resource um, and we can share as much information as possible. So I just want to throw it out there that anybody can contact me whenever I'm more than happy to get you connected to whoever it might be, even it's not, if it's not in my lane, if it's in somebody else's, I can get you connected to those folks and we're here just to help and be a resource for you. Yeah. And I would just piggyback off what Ryan said. You know, we both have mentioned a few times throughout this, the truck driving program. That is something Ryan and I were part of a small group that started that about four years ago. It's now across the entire state. Every region has that with over 225 participants that have went through that with a 96% success rate. So and that's why we're building the welding program. So we are interested in, like Ryan said, we'll sit down. If it's even somebody that says, hey, we have this field that we need people trained in that is in high demand, we're willing to listen to any, any type of offer or partnership, and we'll do what we can on our end to you know, make that something that turns out to be something successful. Ryan, Angie, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Michigan appreciates your advocacy to support returning citizens and supporting our employers by helping them with their workforce challenges. Thank you, Jen. Yes, thank you. You have been listening to the Build Smart, Lead Strong podcast on the Michigan Business Network. <laughs>